hey, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, my first podcast, and uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, my podcast is called A Conversation for One. Uh, basically, you know when you get a little crazy and you just kind of start spiraling off on a rant, you know, about a fandom, about a series that you just read, about music you just watched, history, anything, you just start talking to yourself, you know, you're like contradicting yourself, contrasting your opinions, blah, 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 and you're just, you know, you're going on and on. Well, basically, that's what this podcast is. Uh, it's, I'm going to try moving forward to have a subject, have a point, basically, but I can't guarantee where it's going to go. I'm going to try and cover stuff. Uh, it's pseudo-intellectual. It's pseudo... Uh, it's pseudo-researched. Uh, and it's pseudo-focused. You know, without sounding like Woody Allen too much, there's a lot of pseudos. Nothing's really ironed out. Nothing's really uh, pinpointed. And nothing's really concrete. But uh, I'm just really, really... I've been really, really wanting to do this for a while. And... Uh, finally trying to figure out the pieces and so I promise I promise like they will definitely get better um so look forward for more a conversation for one uh, as you're about to hear I've been trying to do this podcast now uh, two weeks let's say and I've started and stopped the podcast on multiple programs on my computer and on my phone and it just hasn't worked out so today I had a just you know a brain blast and you know how that goes when the juices are flowing, you just got to let them go. And so because of that, I didn't really give like a super good or even intro at all per se. Uh, so just a little background. Uh, my name's Tyler. I'm a film graduate from a university in called Laurier. Um, and basically I'm into a lot. Like I know a good amount about a lot of things and I'm opinionated. And the best part is I like a lot of stuff that not a lot of people like. And so what I want to do is kind of shine a little bit of a spotlight on that. But it could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about movies or TV. It could be about life. It could be about uh, Halloween lists, for example. It's not That's something that's coming up. I'll give you movies. I'll give you books, shows, episodes of those shows to watch and uh, check out. And just kind of like my two cents and what I'm feeling about that. So, Yeah. Just stick with me. The podcast is going to evolve. It's going to become better, I promise. It's just i got to really figure this out. And uh, if you come along with me, I'd really appreciate it. So without further ado, here's me from earlier today. Uh, a conversation for one, our very first episode. Thank you. You know, originally I thought I was going to start off this podcast <clears throat> talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And... Uh, Honestly, I've, I've never done a podcast to begin with. I have no skills outside of high school when in terms of editing or creating original content as much as I'd like to. But I just kept starting and stopping, starting and stopping. And it basically came down to I didn't even know like where to touch off like from that, that topic. Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you're listening to this, you probably know, it's just massive. It's just, it's like 20 movies and like 10 shows, and then you have one-shots, and you have web series, and it's just, oh, and there's commercials and merchandising, there's fan theory, it's just, it is massive. Like, everybody in the game is trying to copy it, or at least just capture that lightning in a bottle with little to no success, arguably. Some are okay. <clears throat> excuse me, but um, that's when I thought, you know what, why don't I just talk about other cinematic universes as a whole right now, deal with that, cover a couple bases of what I, what I like and what I don't like, and uh, then, I'm, then maybe if I can f figure it out, I'll talk about the MCU in a later podcast, but for right now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation for one. Now, I think the very first cinematic universe that I would like to talk about is one that's kind of... Um, it's kind of not a really a universe so much as a series, but that would be the Harry Potter series, and, or, which I guess is now called 
the Wizarding World of J.K. Rowling, or just the Wizarding World series. Now, the series as a whole basically boils down to the first eight Harry Potter movies, and then now these new Fantastic Beast movies. Uh, Harry Potter's never been my cup of tea. Now, at the same time, the first three movies, well worth the watch, well worth the watch. Um, and the Universal Studios Harry Potter, that's mind-blowing. Just so intimately detailed, and just every single crevice has some sort of secret, or just massive attention to detail, and it's just, it's beautiful. For the movies, though, um, like, they're, they're quality, like, they're quality films, I'm not gonna say they're not, uh, they're, they're definitely quality films, um, but the first Harry Potter movies are kind of like its own beast, I mean, there's different, different tones, and, like, um, different tones and moods and ambiance throughout, like, all, all the films that separate them, but they're all kind of, like, a solid, they're all solid films at the end of the day. Fantastic Beasts, on the other hand, admittedly, there's only one, and a trailer for the second one that's coming out, but I feel it's one of those things where it's just like, let's milk this cow just a little bit harder, and instead of getting, like, an original series, which I guess, in a sense, you could argue it's original, but, like, it's not, like, it's just making something out of nothing, I feel, but, like, it has no, like, flair, it's not, like, an original story, it's just, like, let's take this small little piece of nothing, and we'll just give full reins to J.K. Rowling, who's never written a screenplay, we'll give her full reign, and she'll do this, and the same tasteless, bland David Yates, we'll give him this whole series, that's my, actually, like, be perfectly real. That's kind of like my biggest complaint. Those first, okay, the first two movies is like Chris Columbus. Not everybody's cup of tea, but you cannot argue that those movies don't have heart. They have so much heart, so much soul. It's unreal. Like, like again, not my favorite films, but I'd be hard-pressed to not have that movie on, like, at least, like, uh, the first and the second one at Halloween, at Christmas, any, like, any time between, like, September and January, like, those movies are mood. Mood is F. Like, they are beautiful. Like, perfect, like, perfect for that. Like, they're just great. Like, like warm, rich colors. You've got, like, that, like, kind of, like, family-friendly adventure that's, like, literally for the whole family. And it's it's a fresh part. Like, it's the first two. You can just jump in. There's not a lot to learn. The third movie which is, like, my favorite, my favorite. It's, like, it's probably, like, in my, like, top 100 movies, it's, like, right at the bottom, like, 99 kind of thing. Like, it's it's in there. Like, that move, movie has it all. And it's so dark. Like, every, it, it's, like, without, like, tripping over my own words here, it's, it's just, like, it is such a departure from, like, that second film. Well, realistically, that first film, warm, rich. Second film, a little darker, still warm, rich. That third film is like, holy shit. That is like a whole different level of dark. But it doesn't feel different. You watch it, you go, wow, this is dark. But at no point are you like, wow, like this movie isn't part of the same series. Because it's just like, it. it's just like the, the roller coaster is going up, you know, from rich to dark to dark. And it's just, all of the characters feel more fleshed out and it's just great. And there's just, it's just it's brooding with like darkness and you've got like the werewolves in there and it's just great. The fourth film, like if you were to ask like my girlfriend or or actually any, like, I guess they're called Potter heads or I don't know what they're called. Like, I, I, I don't know, but they, a lot of people like the fourth movie for me. That movie was, um, dog shit. I don't like the fourth movie. I'm not like a huge critic when it comes to Harry Potter, but that's a movie I've I've been forced to watch and have watched so many times, and it's like, well, I just I can't do it. It's just not a good movie. And I could be mistaken. I mean, I should probably look this up, um, which I think I'm gonna do. But like that t- movie to me, um, is like right where like the films start to get. Um, for lack of a better word, boring. They get, like, super... Not boring. They are boring. Some 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 parts. But plain. I guess plain. Like, nothing... 
nothing ever feels after that fourth movie like edgy or like to a new height or it all just feels kind of like I don't really even know how to describe it but there's it's like the the movie itself loses a character like the films itself just from like atmosphere and like the just the emotions that they like gave off just from like lighting set pieces everything it kind of feels like like watered down like stripped away not saying the movies are bad really it's not it's just that those films kind of lose something along the way so you take a guy who's been oh my mistake i just looked this up mike newell mike newell he was the one who directed the fourth but basically david yates was the one they they handed off five to eight to and they're like you're doing a great job and i don't know if he was just copying mike newell because i've never heard of mike newell not to say he's not anybody because i'm podcasting and i barely know how so if if anybody's a nobody here it's me but I find it odd, though, that they, like, say, like, okay, David, you're successful, and you do what we tell you, and so, like, to have this, like, a yes man, it seems almost like, to direct, like, this, such this huge franchise, like, I've only heard things, like, people, like, are, like, disappointed, like, they left out this, or this wasn't replaced with that when it comes to five to eight, so for them to be, like, okay, David, uh, the, the author likes you, the studio likes you, let's make these movies, I feel like it's such a misstep. With a, with a series of books and, like, that world, almost to go, like, more along the lines of, like, James Bond or Mission Impossible or even those two, those two for sure, um, where you have a different director, a different screenwriter. You have fresh, different takes on it all the time it, to always just stick to something that works for that long, like to do like five, six, seven, eight, six movies, this guy's going to be doing six movies. You start to fall off. You get comfortable. You're not taking any risks. You're not trying to up anything. You're just doing what you know and, and what's going to make the studio happy. And I think by like not having something fresh in there all the time, you lose stuff. Like I saw Fantastic Beasts pretty close to when it came out like in the theater not the day one but maybe like day three four could not have been more disappointed like the set pieces kind of cool but at no point was i like oh this is quotable or i want to see this again or this is something i've never seen before and it just left you not just disappointed like which is like harsh i'm sure some people love this movie but I felt like it left me wanting a lot more. Like, not just like, oh, I wish they said this or they included this character. It's just like, oh. Like, it just felt so empty. So, like, for that series, that's probably the biggest thing I would say. Is is if you're going to try and make this all one overarching world of wizardry instead of just the Harry Potter series and then Fantastic Beasts, you have to inject new blood, new life. You can't just give the author... Well, okay... Give the author the fair shake at writing the screenplay, but get somebody fresh in there to iron it out. Somebody who's written screenplays knows what's that what's going to take, and then you get a new director in there. Hell, keep David on as a consultant, but do not just keep giving him the series. Originally, it was supposed to be two, I'm pretty sure, then three and five. It's like a whole Hobbit thing going on. Uh, if he directs every single one of them, I think that would be a huge mistake. So going forward, that's probably what I would change. Um, as I, I kind of mentioned, like, Mission Impossible and James Bond, to me, they're not universes so much. It's all, like, the same character. Uh, I love Mission Impossible movies, but to say, like, that's, like, a universe is not, it doesn't really work. It's not really tied to anything else. It's, it's literally just a series, a franchise. Movies are great, though. If you haven't seen, uh, the new one, uh, Follow, well worth your time. Really great film. Um, James Bond it kind of draws that line, like the in-between, because like there's so many different actors and there's so many like different directors, books, eras, obviously. The movies are like from the 60s to now. Um, where if you're watching it, which I'd love to talk about this more in detail in like a later episode, I, I kind of feel like I, I'm going to, like maybe, you know, talk about Sean Connery, Roger Moore, 
and then like I'll I'll dabble in Lazenby and Dalton, and then I'll finish up with ah, man, that's a lot. Ugh, who knows? I might talk about it. I'd like to, but you have it where it's like Connery starts. Connery goes into Lazenby for a bit, which is a really interesting take. Uh, people always shit on Lazenby. I cannot recommend uh, enough, like, On Her Majesty's, like, Secret Service. Fantastic film. Fantastic film. It's a little edgy. He's a little quippy. It's, like, meta. The action is on point. It's got a love story, like a first for James Bond. It is well worth your your time. The stunts in that movie are incredible. Like, you won't see stuff like that again until, like, The Spy Who Loves Me. And then, like, obviously later on. But, like, for early Bond, that movie takes the cake. It is fantastic. Um, But Lazenby says, like, stuff like, this never happened to the other guy, right? Which is poked at a lot and, like, looked at and theorized about. But really, it's just a little nod, right, to the audience. A little wink-wink, you know? Like, hey, nudge-nudge. But what gets weird is he's got memorabilia... Uh, he's got, um, little, uh, um, like, he's got, like, actual knickknacks memorabilia. They, like, references are made. They, t- they like, dress him as James Bond. So it's stuff like that where it's like, oh, is this always the same person? Or is this always, like, is James Bond an identity given to somebody? Which is why I would kind of include this as a universe, because as you go deeper on into the lore, especially when you get to Daniel Craig stuff, which is just a massive departure, because even though there are, like, slight, not references, more like homages to, like, the earlier franchise, you have stuff that's, like, um... He's got his own, basically, bubble story. So the fact that they're, like, when you get to Skyfall, and they're like, yeah, you grew up in this house, Bond has always been your name... It kind of scrubs literally from like Sean or Sean, uh, Sean Connery all the way to like Brosnan. It scrubs it. It's like it's almost like it doesn't exist, which then gets also messy because you have M, Judy Dench, still in like those movies. And that's, ah, I could go on and on. And I, I definitely feel like I need to do more podcasts about James Bond. But like that universe is one of those things where it's like because it's been so stretched out. And it's so loosey-goosey. And they try to make it all like, yes, it's connected. No, it's not connected. They're the same person. They're not. It's a, it's a shared name. It makes it super interesting. The only thing I would say going forward, uh, for the love of God, is like, make this movie with Daniel Craig. Like, get Bond 25 out. Get it out. And let's move forward. Like, cut Daniel Craig out. Like, he is taking so goddamn long. With the way they did their story... It should have been like Skyfall would have been it. And then you tie up Spectre nicely and it's done. Even Skyfall could have been done. Like a man at a time. He does one last mission. You get somebody new. And so help me God. If we get into like Roger Moore territory where like they find like, all right, Daniel, you're like 60 years old. Let's like say you're still like super like like active. Like you can take all like the hits, all the falls it's just it gets unbelievable at that point especially because they haven't made him like a gadgets bond he's not like suave and like super like smart and cunning he's like a dalton bond or a connery bond where he's like beat the shit out of somebody get the info later like you know break next cash checks kind of bond which is great but it's taken so long. Most Bonds had like five movies in like in like eight years, let's say. And like for him, he's done four movies in like over ten years. And it's just too much. Um, oh yeah, get some new blood in there. You've got Ray Fiennes. Fiennes? Fiennes? Ralph Ray Fiennes? As M? Perfect casting. You keep him in that role and you put somebody new in there? I mean, pump him out. Pump him out. Cut the budget a bit. Like drop $25 million. Roll them out. Like, they don't always have to be such a huge affair, especially with how poop, like, Spectre was. Like, it had some moments, but, ugh, not really my thing. And that's kind of a big thing, too, going forward. Um, When you're creating a universe, I find, personally, continuity is everything. You either have continuity, ironclad, tight, crisp, like minor holes that you can like look past you know like i'll get to this eventually as i've been talking about but marvel for example aside from like not always connecting to the tv shows or having like um small gaps between like where a character ended and where they are now or like the 
infamous almost uh, incident of the uh, eight years later thing in a homecoming. It's basically ironclad. Or on the flip side, you have um, you have continuity that is almost non-existent. You have it so that like each chapter in this like universe in this um, ongoing series of films is loose it 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 plays very vaguely on whether the the first film on whether the first film is connected to the second film which is then connected to the third film instead you have them almost as like chapters in a book of an anth no 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 let's say it has to be more like almost anthology level opening close each time slash is open to interpretation if you have a series that's like already assumes that you know everything going in and like you're just gonna assume and they assume that you you're gonna know everything the whole time such as marvel or such as universe's failed dark universe which i'm going to talk about next or on the flip side they have it so that it's if there's not a lot of continuity, then they have a lot of continuity. Then they play really hard on like you assuming the viewer knows a lot. Then they have it where like the the viewer doesn't know anything, <clears throat> which uh, more or less could be said like falls into like James Bond, for example, or or something like. <clears throat> the DCU or like the oh my god like the X-Men film franchise my god those films always just assume like the continuity is either like ironclad or it's like like it's just the definition of like wishy-washy slash non-existent at some points and then when you start adding like the Deadpool movies in and now we're gonna have like little offshoot movies like um New Mutants and like potentially like X-Force and like Dark Phoenix if that ever comes out and I mean those movies not only have they retconned themselves but they're just a clusterfuck just a nightmare to like navigate through like it's like there's almost no point of watching them they like they're redundant in themselves and the same with the DCEU like the the amount of like tone changes and character art changes or, or stuff that's just ignored like the the character interaction between let's just say like Batman v Superman to um, Justice League it's like how did you not know this or why did this not happen there's just so much like of those series there are films in there that are well worth watching like I will I'm firmly like a believer that Man of Steel wasn't uh, wasn't given a fair shake really it's a good movie it's it's worth the watch. And even though, like, Superman isn't, like, the good old American boy, you know, that everybody wants him to be, like, another Christopher Reeve, I think, yes, the film's dark, but I think he does a pretty good job, Henry Cavill, of being Superman, and that is definitely worth the watch in itself. Um, and I liked Suicide Squad. It's not a movie I will openly admit too often that I enjoyed. I'm not going to say it's a good movie. I just had a fun time watching it, and there were certain characters in there that I was like, this is a good time. Overall, dog shit. Like, the movie is dog shit, but doesn't mean I didn't have a good time watching it. It, it kept me thoroughly entertained, and in that, in its own merit, I mean, could qualify that it's a good movie in my eyes. Watching it again, each time I watch it, less and less I enjoy it, but that first time... I liked it, and in that, um, I could say it's good. Wonder Woman, on the other side, so so I can get both people, both fan groups hating me, um, I thought it was a little overrated. And a, an amazing movie, but basically, like, treating it like it's the second coming of Christ, I don't, I don't think it was that good. Like, I mean, it's not like the Citizen Kane of superhero movies by any, any measure, but uh, it was, it's, that's a good movie. That's the thing. If you have good movies, but the tone and the pacing and like the, the the character arcs, the character structure, story structure, if they're just so like varying and there's no continuity, it's just it's so hard to jump into that world and to get a lot out of it. You could go too far, like Marvel did, where now everything's a joke, which gets tired. But still, even though the movies are different, you know they're in the same universe. They have that the same sort of that texture almost and it, it, that to me is what makes it um so yeah continuity 
big thing for me, big thing. And the more you look into it and you just like stop just enjoying them for like the thrill ride they are in these movies and you like start to go, wait, so how does that connect to this? Or how does that connect to that? If you just stop using headcanon, that's the thing too. If you ever to use headcanon, if it's or something small, sure. But if you just use headcanon, like, well, I just think that the person like got from like being in Idaho to like being in outer space in the next movie because of this. Like, if there's a jump like that, which happens so often in the X Men films, it, that's not good. <laughs> like, I don't think I need to be an expert to tell you that's not that's not what you want if you're gonna watch a universe. That's the difference. Like, if a producer wants to make a film series of like a, a, a yeah like a film series a franchise into a universe like to compete with marvel you can't just like patch it together you have to actually work on it and develop it out and say well we can do this and this not like let's just see what sticks and the biggest example of just let's just throw some money at a screen and see what happens would have to be universal's failed the dark universe now this this I had such high hopes for this this franchise this universe I had the highest hopes it, Universal Monsters in itself which I'm sure I'll talk about in a later episode are like huge huge um and not just like pop culture because of the monsters they've created but also just because these stories well not all of them but I think at least three or four, like anywhere, everywhere from Dracula up until, I would say, I think Bride of Frankenstein. There's four movies in there. Um, they're all pre-code, and they there's some pretty drastic and thoughtful, like thought-provoking, really, like stuff. Like in those films, you have such great stories. Um, like almost moral tales and like, they're like atmospheric and the, the camera work, the dialogue, it's all just, it's next level really. Uh, you could, uh, well, before I'll cut myself off here with, aside from Dracula, cause Dracula is, is kind of like a stage play on wheels. Like it doesn't feel very... It doesn't have a flow uh, compared to, like, let's say, like Frankenstein, which I think really like kicked the door down and said, "We're here, let's party," you know. But uh, I think Dracula, the Spanish Dracula, I've heard is like unreal. If you buy uh, the Blu-ray, whether it's in the set or the individual, I have all the individuals with the sleeves. Um, it has the Spanish one, which was actually filmed at nighttime during the daytime production of Dracula. Look it up. It's it's very interesting. And if you don't want to look it up, stick around. I'm sure I'll talk about this a little bit more come around the end of October, right, towards Halloween. But that apparently has a lot more heart, and it's a little more sinister. Uh, it's a little more, uh, I guess, macabre, really. And it, But I don't really know how much more you could do. Uh, but uh, apparently it is, and that's worth the watch, I guess. I'm, I myself have to watch it. But Frankenstein, for me... Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, two of my absolute favorite films of all time. Great films. Hold up today. Nothing to pick at them. I mean, I could, but I won't. And then you got Bride and Frankenstein, which is critically argued to be one of the best films of all time, if not one of the best horror movies of all time. Um, probably should have said those in reverse, but let's just keep rolling here. Um, those films are crucial to the horror genre. Crucial to cinema. Then you have Wolfman. Not that great. Love it, though. Then you have The Mummy. Actually, you know what? I think The Mummy might have been pre-code too. I think that is a 30s film. If I'm not mistaken, that's got to be 32? 34? No, it's got to be 34. I think 32 is Dracula. 33 is Frankenstein. 30... Hmm. Maybe both Dracula and Frankenstein are 32. As you can tell, I'm not very informed. and like I'm like recording right now on a phone. A phone and a microphone. I could be easily looking this up, but instead I'm just going to give you possibly untrue facts here. I think maybe Dracula and Frankenstein were 32. Uh, Invisible Man is 33, same as King Kong. Ugh, King Kong, what a great film. And then I think 34 was Bride of, Dra uh, Bride of Dracula. I wonder what that would have been like. Bride of Frankenstein. 
And those are all pre-code, which is crazy when you think about it. But uh, anyways, let's just plow ahead here. Then you have Mummy. You have Wolfman. Uh, what else do you got? You have tons, tons and tons and tons of secondary sequel spin-off type films. And then it caps off with the last Universal Monster, my favorite monster, the creature from the Black Lagoon, old Gilman there. So let's just say of those, and like you throw in Phantom of the Opera, and I, sh- I, I would I would assume Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde are, uh, like, not duty-free. What is that called? Um, which has got to be public domain. I think it's public domain. You know, I want to say, I keep wanting to say duty-free, but that is not even remotely. It's just basically the rights uh, are free to use. Yeah, public domain. That sounds right. It's got to be public domain. I mean, it was in the Dark Universe's Mummy film. So, right. Let me get back on track here. So you have all of these characters. A cornucopia of characters that Universal has the the rights to for, like, the look and the story. And then you have a bunch of other, like, Victorian and later on horror, like, film iconic characters that you could draw from. The stories could be just absolutely crazy. Um... There was so much potential. It was all there. It was all there. Like, pick and choose. Take your time. And what do they do? They go in a different direction. Which, I'm not going to lie. When they were like, yeah, it's going to be action. It's going to be a little fast-paced. I was like, okay. Like, I'm curious, right? I'll see what happens. And when the Dark Universe was officially, like, capped off. When it was officially titled... Given its its creative name, The Dark Universe, they completely rolled over their last feature film, which I was excited to see them move forward with that, uh, which was Dracula Untold, and they moved ahead with Tom Cruise's The Mummy, um, which if, if you've ever been on the internet, know, uh, you know that it didn't get the best reviews. Um, it was okay. I watched it, and it definitely had some charm, and it had some cool features, and I loved the throwbacks, but every single thing about it felt rushed. Nothing felt um, genuine. Nothing felt um, sincere in any form, or like a love letter, even, to the originals that it came from. Nothing felt like it was tied in the 30s originals, and the 60s, 70s, like, Hammer remakes. Nothing. It was just kind of meh, you know, I've never been drawn to watch it again, I didn't have a tough time getting through it, I just, well, maybe a little bit near the end, but, but more so, it's just kind of sad that they just, they made this lackluster film, and then they just decided to, um, basically cut and run, uh, which is too bad, especially now, you have one film that cost them an arm and a leg. Like I remember, if I remember right, it's it's two hundred plus million that they spent to make this film, and I would assume it made its money back, but probably just that, not anywhere near like the, you know, like the the bank breaking amount of money they were expecting to make. Um, but the film before that, Dracula Untold, it didn't cost them nearly as much, and it made a little bit more in relation to how much it cost them. So, I mean, you've got two quote-unquote failed films um and uh yeah i mean how you can't make a shake out of both dracula and the mummy it just doesn't make any sense to me i know they were supposed to make a bride a frankenstein movie with bill condon the guy who did the uh the beauty and the beast remake amongst other things and that's i don't know if it's scrapped i feel like it's a polite way to say it's scrapped when you say it's put on hold indefinitely uh, to me, that means scrapped. But I've heard that there might be new life coming towards it, uh, coming into it, this uh, universe. But to me, that was probably the biggest waste of potential, especially when you have people that love horror and direct almost purely horror. Like, if you had the likes of, like, Guillermo del Toro, or even Tim Burton. Tim Burton gets a bad rep in the last, like, five to ten years, but... You have to remember how dark and brooding some of his original shit is. Like, if you need any reminders, just pop in, like, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice. Like, that guy likes his practical effects, he likes his dark stuff, and he likes his creepy. Like, he doesn't fuck around. That guy, he he means it. Just, 
he's kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. But I'm sure if you gave him something like that and you put a little bit of a restraint on him, he could he could turn out something good. And Guillermo del Toro, I mean, you're not going to be able to get that guy now. You know, Shape of Water came out, and he's uh, he's too hot to touch. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's too bad. It's, I've heard I I have heard that they're thinking about giving the reins to somebody else because the two people that they had running the dark universe, I guess have dropped out or been let go or whatever polite way they're saying it. But, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, but yeah, actually what I'm going to do now is what I'm thinking about doing, whether I have a guest on, if that ever happens, or if I have a really designated topic or if I don't have a topic at all, I'd like to just take a little moment each podcast and just talk about something that like either I hold dear to me, something that's frowned upon that I still see good things in or something that's forgotten. It won't take long, I I promise, but I just want to give a little bit of detail on something, um, that I think is important and, uh, what better thing to talk about now that we've just been talking about this dark universe nonsense, you know what I'm saying, than, uh, Dracula Untold, which was, I think, Universal's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I should probably have the facts, but I can't tell you how many Dracula films they've made, like, like standalone first pictures. If I had to guess, it's probably like four. Four, if not more. Four at least they've done. And this was supposed to be the soft entry into um, the Dark Universe before it even had a name. But it was kind of cast aside, which is too bad, because you know what? It's not a bad movie. But you know what? Let me cut myself off here. We're going to go to a little uh, jingle, hopefully, and uh, then I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, Dracula Untold. really great about this movie is um it borrows a lot of elements from the first uh incarnation of dracula but it's it's essentially its own origin story and that to me is already a pretty good starter for what could potentially be a pretty big franchise uh universe um you have luke evans playing vlad the impaler who eventually becomes count dracula um and just a just a little warning. This is definitely heavy for spoilers. Almost all my podcasts will be heavy for spoilers. Um, so that's just a little heads up. The story, though, is great. Like, I mean, aside from some kind of, like, at times cheapish-looking special effects, it's character-driven, and you actually have character development, and you feel for the character, and you understand the plight of the character. And that's something that Tom Cruise's mummy definitely can't say. You feel nothing in that film. Not saying that it's not specifically character driven, but it just feels like a lot of shoehorn. In this film, it's very much here's the goal, here's how it's achieved, and here's the end of it. You know, like this is this is how it ends, and the entire time, like this guy is just trying to save his family, and it, it's got great atmosphere. As I keep saying for almost all of these movies that I like, I'm very big in atmosphere. Like, that is huge for me. But all the characters act act pretty well. You got Charles Dance in there. He's pretty great, actually. Dominic Cooper plays the opposing king. Um, and from what I can tell, the movie didn't do too bad. Budget was $70 million and box office was 218 or 217 Like, I, I get it. Like, you'd be expecting bigger numbers, but... When a film pulls in that much and has mixed mixed reviews, like it's not the worst starting off point. It's like you can't always like people always remember Iron Man came out and that's what started the MCU. But you had an Incredible Hulk next, and that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but yeah, and this movie tied in so nicely to like lend its hand to like the future of like this universe if they were going to start it. And even if they wanted to completely disregard a lot of the story, keep Luke Evans in. 
have that be the start of the franchise. Kind of wash over some of the events that happen, but keep him being Dracula. He could just show up. But the fact that they're just like, no, we're going to cut this. It didn't make enough. We didn't like that it got mixed reviews. And then they dump all this money into the mummy. And the mummy didn't get great reviews. Okay, I'm just starting to rant. Um, this film definitely... Um, it's not even that long. It's an hour and a half, so like it's ba- it's a basic feature film. It uh, it flowed pretty nicely. I know uh, myself and my girlfriend both really enjoyed this film. Um, I've heard a lot of bad things about it, but I mean, like, if you watch stuff like Van Helsing or any of the underworld movies or uh, any horror movie, really, in the last like ten years, you you know, like it's a it's very much a cut above, but it's in the, sort of a similar style. As uh, the previously mentioned films I just spoke about, like Van Helsing, um, and I just think like a major misstep that they took was basically getting all of the blueprints ready, putting all the foundation in, all the groundwork for this to be the start of what was eventually was originally known as the Universal Monsters universe. You had Charles Dance being the master vampire; he was going to be the vampire for like all throughout the films. It says, like, from what I've seen, that he was going to be, like, the um, the Nick Fury, the Samuel Jackson. But I don't really know how that would work so much. Um, unless he had, like, a hand in creating all of the monsters. But uh, you had Luke Evans signed for con- a long contract, from what I understand, a three-picture deal. Could be wrong. Like, I mean, these sources, I didn't look into them too much further than one or two sources. But you have already, like, this is going to be the start. This guy's going to be in a bunch of movies. This guy's going to be signed in at least three movies. You get mixed to good reviews. You like the main character. Like, a lot of critics praise the main character. And the story is pretty easy to follow. I mean, the, okay, at least now, anyways, I would say, like, after How the Mummy turned out, retcon both, you know? Make them both included or cast both out. But I think you're going to be wasting a lot of money and a lot of time if you just say no, no to both of these things. Um, especially when they already had made, like, reshoots. Like, this movie, as far as I know, was supposed to be, um... I don't know, actually, if it was supposed to come out in 2012, but I know, like, the pr- production was already, like, in in the middle in, in 2012. And this movie didn't come out until 2014, which... And that's because they were taking multiple, multiple reshoots in order to further connect this into a possible universe, to have this become the first chapter. And you know what? The, the thing that bothers me the most is because, like, I am a champion for this movie, is that, like, even if it wasn't going to, like, follow some sort of, like, linear chronolo- chronological, like, sort of timeline like most universes did, if you had, like, each story set up their own story, like, this guy's story is this, this guy's story is that, and you kind of leave it vague, like, oh, so they might not be in the same place or the same time. Eventually, though, like, you have a movie not... Kind of, like, in the same vein as, like, The Avengers, where, like, all of the things come together. But you do that, and it's, like, things start to unravel. It doesn't need to be a huge team-up, necessarily. But it's like, okay, so we figured out the Wolfman's here. We figured out, like, the Phantom's here. We figured out Jekyll and Hyde is here. Dracula's here. And you know what? You could... The way that they set up this movie, which is something I really, really liked, is Dracula was the hero. And I know a lot of people that was just like, ugh, right? Like, he's not a hero. But he he was a good person, and he did what he had to to save his family. And to me, I was like, man, this is fresh. Like, I I could really get behind this. It's not, like, my favorite interpretation of the character. But I was just, like, thinking further on in the movie, or into the universe... What would that be like to know that, like, he was a guy constantly protecting people? Like, like, cursed, like, reluctantly, like, given these, taking these powers and, like, doing his best to, like, make, make amends, really. There was just so many opportunities. Um, but, I mean, it's not too late. It's, it's really hard for me to talk about this film without constantly bringing up The Mummy, but... Alex Kurtzman, who was the one who was, like, spearheading that universe, and, like, I'm almost positive he directed the film, which shows, because he's a first-time director. Um, You shouldn't give a first-time director that much money. You really shouldn't. Even if they don't have that much experience, some experience, like, directing is much better. Um, 
he has said on multiple occasions that this movie isn't a part of the Dark Universe, and he's like, it's been seriously downplayed, but he's not a part of it anymore. It's not too late. If a lot of people watch this uh, and see what I'm seeing and think, yeah, you know what, it's a lot better than The Mummy, I mean, let your voice be heard. I know I've tweeted before as, as, as far as tweets go, you know, I might get a, a couple likes or maybe one retweet, but, uh, you know, share it on Reddit and push it around. Uh, if they ever actually <laughs> come out with another Dark Universe movie, which I'd love to see, um, I would definitely, it would be a huge missed opportunity if they didn't at least bring Luke Evans back. So yeah, uh, Dracula Untold, uh, not the most in-depth, uh, analysis or criticism, but, uh, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, as most things are that I'm talking about, and if they're not, I'm going to tell you, but, uh, yeah, if, if, if anything at all, check it out for Luke Evans and for a fresh take on Dracula. That's definitely, uh, that's definitely where the money is when it comes to this one. So I just want to give a shout out to my, uh, my unsponsored sponsors, uh, I'm definitely not going to get any sponsors, and if I do, um, I still, this, this part of the podcast will probably just be recommendations and such, but, uh, I want to give a shout out or, you know, recommend some people that I think would be pretty interesting to a lot of you guys, um, to start, if you're on Instagram, oh, oh, oh yeah, uh, there's, uh, I'm going to definitely be having a Twitter page, Instagram page, uh, you find me on SoundCloud, I'll get more to that to the later, but um, uh, anyways, you, you definitely want to check out uh, L'Entre Sword. Uh, this guy, girl, person, um, has a wide, wide assortment of um, old vintage paperbacks, and uh, you definitely want to check these out. He has this person. I shouldn't be even making assumptions. Just like some very, very sweet covers, like, I'm talking, like, 1960s to 1980s, like, pulp paperbacks, just some of the art on these things is great, so, that's, uh, L apostrophe, actually, you know what, I'll just give you the, the username here is L-E-N-T-R-E-S-O-R-T, L-E-N-T-R-E-S-O-R-T, definitely go check that out, get, throw some likes around, um, just amazing stuff, like, I, like, keep coming back, looking at it more and more. I don't think the books so much are for sale. Um, but, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, give, them, give them a follow, give them some likes. Uh, it's worth your time to uh, check that out. Also, because we've been talking about it quite a bit today, um, I know Universal is putting out a huge box set in the coming weeks. I, w- I think it's coming out, if it's not already out, I should probably look this up. Uh, it's a, a massive box set. And includes all of the original Universal monster movies, all the way from Dracula up to I think it might have been Creature Walks Among Us, the last Creature film. It has literally every single one in between, all the sequels, all the offshoots, every single film. It is fairly expensive, um, and I mean, if you want to just have a taste of what the Universal films are like, I'm sure you could find a couple on YouTube. I know there's a lot smaller of a Blu-ray package that has like the like eight core essential films. Um, but yeah, definitely look into that. That um, That's going to be a great purchase, I would say. Uh, go maybe check out uh, Amazon, or even if you like want to see more, go to like Blu-ray.com, and they'll give you all the specs, all the schematics, uh, reviews, picture quality, sound quality, features quality. Really good site to check out your stuff for that. Also, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything to sponsor with. Uh, moving forward, like uh, definitely even on the next podcast, I'll have a couple things you should check out, uh, a couple things I'd recommend, and uh, maybe a couple wild cards, you know, somewhere you should eat. Who knows? Um, until I get some sponsors, <laughs> if this podcast keeps going the way it is, which I'm sure, I'm hoping it won't. Um, I, I, uh, I might not ever get some sponsors, but... Uh, I'm definitely going to make the best uh, to recommend some stuff for you. And, uh, yeah, just uh, thanks for listening uh, to uh, a conversation for one. I just, I really needed to hammer this out. It's been one of those things where I just start it and I can't quite finish it. So I feel, I feel like if I just get this first one out, that's going to be everything. 
Um, so yeah, you can check us out on um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on SoundCloud, and on well, obviously. Uh, if you'd give me a, a nice review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate that. I don't even know. Does SoundCloud do reviews? If they do, you know, that'd be great. Um, I don't have any content up yet, uh, but I will be having some in the coming days. And uh, just, yeah, thanks so much for listening. I, I know it's probably not the easiest thing to just somebody, to listen to somebody like ramble and rant with their thoughts and get lost and off track and come back. And uh, it just means a lot to me. Uh, this podcast was produced by me, uh, Tyler Horlings, and also by the very lovely uh, Victoria Chubb. Um, also, feel free to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, um, even Facebook. I don't really go on Facebook so much. Um, and I think if I say um anymore, uh, you guys are going to just be absolutely tired of it. So yeah, thanks for listening. I'll, uh, I'll hopefully see you guys, talk to you guys next week. Might be two weeks. Stay tuned. All right. Tyler out.